It's Driving Change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. Are you crammed for space? Is your shop efficiency not what it should be? If you need assistance in these areas, you're in luck. Because today on the program, my friend Tom Harvey tells us how in his shop, he inspired his staff to overcome these challenges and find the solutions on their own. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and further assist with their growth. My hope is that you'll find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be, ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each week for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. Well, I'm here with my friend Tom Harvey from Holland Hall Automotive in Mount Vernon, Virginia. Tom, just to give you a little background on him, his father started this business in 1960 after uh, joining a, a golf company, if I remember right, uh, that was built in 1955. And unfortunately, in 1966, his dad passed away and his mom took over the business. And uh, Tom joined shortly after that in 1970. And that's where his saga starts. And uh, the good news is, is that in 1994, he bought the business. And in 2007, he was fortunate enough to become part of the ATI family. So I want to welcome Tom to the program. Tom, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Well, it's been a while, and it's so nice to see you again today. Um, Tom has a very unique situation. He he has a very, very small building. As I mentioned, it was a golf station. If it was a, am I right? It's a three-bay garage. Is three that right? Three bays. Mm-hmm. Three-bay garage. And uh, some of you out there probably know what that looks like. 1955 <laughs> golf station. Um, and somehow, miraculously, he manages to put $2 million through that three-bay garage. And he's here today to tell you guys how he did it. So, Tom, it's all up to you. You got it, my friend. Well... <clears throat> I appreciate that introduction, Jeff. Uh, we've been blessed. It's uh, We're located in a very affluent residential area with little to no competition. Um, but our biggest obstacle is we are also limited in physical size and space, and we can't do a thing to change that. So we were doing big numbers out of that station before ATI, but I wasn't making any money, and I couldn't figure out why. And uh, so I bit the bullet and signed up with ATI and started implementing the business model. And guess what? We started making money. But we had this incredible, what I call disorganized, chaotic situation going on down there. We were stumbling over each other, fighting to get use of uh, the one or two computers that we had. Um, Just Everything was wrong. We never knew where a car was on the parking lot. Customers would come to pick it up, and you know the cashier. Well, I'm not sure where they got it parked, and and finally it just hit a point where everybody was unhappy with the situation. 
So I called everybody together, my general manager, my technicians, my staff, because we also had gasoline sales going on at the same time, and a lot of gas. You and weren't a golf that, station anymore. Then. No, we had been from golf to Chevron to Shell to Independent to back to Chevron, and now we're back with Shell. I, just, I wonder how many people can relate to that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were a long way from the uh, coin belt and green stamps that we started with. But... Uh, we, we knew we had to do something to control this chaos, and uh, it all kind of came about. We were not doing alignments, but we were doing a lot of suspension work and wasting a lot of time taking alignments physically somewhere else to get them done. So that's what started this whole thing. We got to put in an alignment machine. And, uh, wait, wait, three-bay garage, and, yeah, and, and you got to put an alignment machine in here. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as everybody's well aware of, technicians like big, giant toolboxes that take okay. up a lot of space. So we, we started thinking about that, and we said, well, we also, about that same time, had gotten involved with Tire Rack as one of their preferred installers. And we knew we had to upgrade our tire machines that were, right now, located between the first and second bay and fit just fine but small machines that would not handle high-end wheels and tires and that sort of thing. So we had the hunter people come down and we focused on the road force balancer and the new GSP 9700 uh, mounting machine. But he said, you got a problem because they're not going to fit in between these bays. They're just physically too big. What are we going to do now? Well, that's when we sat down on a Friday night and brainstormed and my manager Mark who's a hardcore German guy very analytical came up with the idea let's take the trash area out the back door and convert that to a tire room put the balancer in there put the road force machine I mean the mounting machine in there wheel weights everything get it out of the base I said well, Mark I can't have it outside he said oh no we're going to enclose it and I said, well, what about the trash drums and the bulk tank that's out there now? Well, let's get a 40-foot sea container and put it out back of the station. I'm looking at him in wonderment. Where's this even coming from? It never even entered my mind. But it all fell in place, and we did. And one of my techs, father, just happened to have a 40-foot container he wanted to get rid of. And we put it behind the station, and we engineered it to inside, built a shelving for it, had an electrician come wire it with lighting. And fortunately, before we moved our bulk tanks back there, I happened to be due for an annual fire for my hazardous use permit and inspection from the fire marshal. So the fire marshal comes down here and says, well, that's all well and good, but if you're going to have liquid in tanks in that connex, you're going to have to have a containment basin in case of a spill. Next thing I know, we've got diamond plating down there and a guy in there welding aluminum, building a containment system. Fit all of our bulk tanks in there. We went from the bulk oil, bulk synthetic uh, transmission fluid, antifreeze, used antifreeze and used oil, and we got it all inside this container. Everything plumbed into the bays, so the dispensers are the only thing in the bays, hanging from the ceiling. Oil drains at night go into the hooked up to a, a hose that's pumped into the used tanks. And about the same time, we said, well, if we're going to do this, let's just do it the right way. Let's gut this place, get rid of these old hydraulic lifts in the ground, because I was worried about the environmental side of that, because now I'm responsible for it. 
let's get them out of the ground. I said, I, and that's going to be an issue because we're built on top of a spring. There's always water down there. So we got to do this right, plan it right, get them in and out as quick as we can and get the shop back open again. So you, you were closed for a month during that period. Uh, just about a month. Yes. Uh, yeah. At least the bays were closed. I still had gas going on out front. The phones are still ringing. We're out in the middle of the lot around construction equipment, plugging tires and and doing all that stuff. But yes, the bays were shut down. And I worried about that. How am I going to afford to pay my tax and, you know, keep them happy while this is going on? Well, I said the best thing I can do is include them in on this process. Let them be a part of the design. What do they want to see in these bays? I don't work in those bays anymore, so I don't know what their needs are anymore. But they do. So I made them a part of the initial planning process. And what they wanted was workspace. They wanted benches. They wanted a place. They wanted hardwired for uh, connectivity for their computers. They wanted cabinets to put things away in. And I'm like, oh my God, I love these ideas. Anything to get this stuff off the floor. Tom, I don't mean to interrupt, but are these things that you think you would have thought of on your own? I'm just curious. Absolutely not. So what what value do you think that brought to including your staff and, and having these conversations rather than just come in and say, okay, we're redoing and this is what we're doing? Can't even begin to tell you how excited they were to be a part of it, how proud they were of the finished product. And uh, all of a sudden, I just saw a total change in their demeanor. Where, you know, before somebody spilled some transmission fluid on the floor, ah, the guys will get it tonight when they clean up the base. Not anymore. Man, their spots, they kept them clean themselves. Uh, Tremendous pride. And it also gave me a workforce to help get all this done. I literally, I mean, I shouldn't even be allowed in the room when there's hammers and stuff. I'm, I'm, it's just not me. And uh, But my guys, they're all multi-talented. They're in there with shovels, digging trenches, because we put in all new plumbing and everything And else. correct me if I'm wrong, did you ask them to do these things? Or no, were they doing they, these things they, all on they, their own? You know, they knew I was paying them. Right. I was keeping them on their income because uh, we all got monthly bills uh-huh. and they couldn't afford to spend a month without a paycheck. This made it a whole lot easier for me to pay them when I'm getting uh-huh. services in return. And again, they they enjoyed it. All I did, once the decisions were made of what we were going to do and when we were going to do it and how we were going to do it, I paid the bills. I went and got lunch every day. I fed all of my staff and the contractors that were down there working. They love five guys. Five guys every day. That's all they do. Go get me a triple burger. You, you know? got them off sad, so, it sounds oh like. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But uh, we, we, we had fun. We enjoyed it thoroughly. The camaraderie was incredible. And uh, Mark, being Mark... I think um, he's very anal, so he made sure that every piece of plumbing was perfectly, you know, no, no, don't scrimp here. Well, why would you want to put a drain there and then have that one off to an angle? Come on, use your head. Mm-hmm. So he oversaw the project, which took all the heat off of me. And uh, we were sitting there thinking about it, and uh, at that point in time, we still just had the one strong man outside, and... We're buying all these new lifts for the inside. Mark and I said, well, why don't we put two more of them behind each other outside? 
guy that's working on this one can come in from behind the building, the guy working on this one can come in the, from the front side, and now instead of three bays, we've got five bays. And again, this comes from somebody that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder, if you paid someone to come in and design it, could they have done a better job than what no. you see? Uh, I, I don't think they could have. Uh, there just so many things that unless you have spent time working in that mm -hmm. space, you would have never thought of. And uh, yeah, the finished product was uh, phenomenal. Um, very proud of it because uh, we had old. I mean, going back, you know, to 1955, we still had the old Golf Flex lube uh, stuff on the wall. All of that came down. The tire racks. We didn't need to stock tires anymore, but I needed space to put a nitrogen compressor up there. So that's where the nitrogen compressor went. That's where our cabinets went and. Uh, so it just, uh, you know, again, Mark being Mark, couldn't just have a wash basin to do our hands. It had to be a stainless steel wash basin. And, uh, you know, I'm, look, I'm looking at the checks I'm writing, but the good side to that is, is that things were going so well after implementing all of our business model and process, we paid every penny of it out of pocket, didn't borrow a dime to do any of it. And I'm sitting there, you know, thinking, uh, you know, what a blessed guy I am to be able to get all this done, get it done in a timely fashion, and do it, you know, out of the checkbook. And uh, this all took place a year after you joined? Is that right? Uh, just about a year after uh, being with ATI, yes. Wow, and, a year uh, into the program, yeah. a year a month without those bays. Oh, yeah. But that's still, I mean, that's solved. That gave us, mm -hmm. obviously, more space to work out of. Mm -hmm. But now we still had the issue of the chaos at the front counter, the lack of computer space. So, again, I said, Mark. We Rally got, the troops. Yeah, right? we, we got to address this issue. Yeah. So he said, well, we got rid of one storeroom for trash. Let's get rid of the storeroom for the storeroom. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, uh, let's take that back storeroom. Let's convert it to office space. Let's put a desk back there for the service writers. And I said, well, what are we gonna do with this? He said, hey, we got that 40 foot container back there. Let's move yeah. everything back there. And we did, and next thing you know, we, we also had a water heater that was in the way back there. Got that out by putting in a tankless water heating system. Mm -hmm got rid of this giant ancient gas overhead furnace that when it came on you couldn't hear anything on a phone got that out and moved it up outside so uh, put in all new lighting put two desks in and so uh, we had two more computer workstations back there for the service writers to build estimates and but that in itself led to another issue now we got all these computers around the shop and you know just you're running three different software programs. I still had one program that ran the gas side of the business. I had RO Rider that we had just brought on board running the service bays and both of those integrating to QuickBooks. And it just, none of us being IT people, we were having issues like crazy with things not getting to where it belonged. So at about that same time, I had met an individual through the Chamber of Commerce who was an IT specialist, and uh, he gave a speech one day at a luncheon about protecting your com uh, customer information. And I, ironically, had just read in Motor Magazine about a guy who didn't back up and lost his entire database, spent 
you know, hundred grand or something, trying to have it restored, got 30% of it back, and he was talking about it. And I said, man, I wonder if I'm secure. So I talked to this individual and had him come down to do a quick analysis. You're scaring the crap out of everybody. Oh, (laughs) and it should because it is a scary situation. I ended up hiring this individual. He secured my system, but we also took it to a whole nother level. Instead of having, you know, things out here in the front office and things back here, we installed a rack system gutted the building of all the old cabling from the various satellites and oil companies over the years for their credit card systems, ran all new Cat4 cabling throughout the building, installed a rack system so that we had our, installed a server, a network system off a server, had everything in a rack, easy to get to, easy to service, very simple, and just cleared tremendous space around the shop. and. Uh, it just uh, it, it freed up uh, everything dramatically and made everything a whole lot faster, quicker, and more efficient in you the know, process. Tom, I've never I never saw your place before the renovation, but I saw it after, and I have to say how impressed I was with how you were able to stretch those walls and what you were able to do with such a small space. And I know that people listening, you know, some of them might be saying, well, I got plenty of room, that's not a problem for me. But I would say to everyone listening, especially those with plenty of room, you probably have, I don't know, a boat or a, 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 an old, uh, you know, you know fixer-up restoration project or something going on that's taking up space you don't, you don't need to. Or maybe you're just a little sloppy with where things are because you don't have to be. And if you really think about efficiency, you really can produce a whole lot more. And, you know, that that's a really good transition into what I really think we should be talking about here, which is what really made the difference. So tell us what stage two was now that we got through stage one. Well, stage two was now we got this much nicer facility, physical plant to work with. Everybody's excited about that. But now we still had this what I call disorganized chaos going on out front. And I figured we like chaos because it's always been my experience that chaos keeps everybody focused, but you gotta be able to control that chaos. So we started addressing all these issues and we developed new processes for getting that customer in the door. What do we do once they're there? Who greets them? What is the information you're gonna get? What happens to that ticket? How can we make this more efficient? So we came up with the idea. We had, and we're still using it to this day, although we are now investigating going digital, so that'll change a lot of these things. But we had two different hard copy check-in forms. White one, if it's a te- more for the text. Blue one, if it's simply for the general service, an oil change, tire rotation, that sort of thing. So right away, we know which bin to put it in. Then we had color-coded pouches to put them in. A black pouch, time's not an urgent thing. Red pouch, gotta get this one. It's gotta be done by a certain time. It's in a red pouch, look at that one first. Yellow pouch, if it's a tire situation. Blue pouch, if it's a 
just a battery charge or something like that that you know you can you know make sure put down when it came in when it's got to be done set who created these ideas i'm curious my manager mark um uh shop meeting again right we discuss it yeah crew comes up with it so we we then had the situation of the chaos with the cars techs are like ah damn it did anybody know where this car is parked is it here is it where so we divided our lot and and about that same time i realized we don't have enough parking this is a serious problem so being in the shopping center i knew there was a little area out there along the front of the shopping center that really wasn't being used but i also knew that all those tenants were paying a triple net rent and paying for that parking so i talked to each and every one of them would it be an issue what could i do for you would you all mind if we park cars over there? Every one of them said, oh my God, Tom, yeah, go ahead. Nobody ever parks out there anyway. Checked with the owner of the shop and said, Tom, if the merchants are fine with it, I'm fine with it. So now we've got extra parking. And wait, wait, all you did was ask? Just ask, just, and, and just, you know, I said, you need something done on your vehicle or anything I can do to help you, let me know. Well, I also do a lot of PR for the owner of the shopping center. I saved him because of my relationship with our local supervisor. I've kept him up to date on things that could possibly affect the shopping center. I've interceded on his behalf several times. So I have a great relationship with my landlord. And that made it easier with the tenants because the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, relationship building goes a long way. So then we came up with a color-coded system. Blue parking, red parking, yellow parking, green parking. Every car that comes in, we go out, oh, that's in the red, we put a red sticker on it. The techs know that that's where they wanna go look for the car. They also know that when they're finished working on that car, and they've parked it now in the blue parking, uh-huh. come back and put a blue sticker on it so we always know where the car is. And it makes it easy for my cashier in the evening when the customer comes in and they see a blue sticker, say, they'll go get one of the other guys, say, hey, go bring that customer's car over. It's across the street. Don't make them have to walk over there and get it. So it, it just, that solved a major issue you right know, there. These are such simple ideas. Oh, yeah. I go to Staples, and, and they've got them right there in the office supply, little, little red dots, blue dots, green dots, and yellow dots. Isn't it always the little things that make the oh, biggest absolutely. impact? Absolutely. And, and again, these are ideas that came from your staff. So I just got to ask, you know, and, and I know that this is somewhat of a speculative question, but if you had suggested to the staff or said, hey, why don't we put red dots on or blue dots or whatever, do you think that would have gone over as well as someone in the staff coming up with this idea on their own? Is the buy-in going to be the same? Uh, they would have probably not even given it a thought and just, oh, God, another thing i got to do. But by allowing them to be in on the uh, development of it, they're like, oh, man, what a great idea. Yeah, let's let's do this one, uh, This uh, keep this green one. And that's the one right there on the lot. We have to always try to keep a couple of those places coned off so when a tow truck comes in, I'm not sitting there running around, who's got the keys to the Plymouth? Who's got the, we know who's got the keys. And so I gotta ask you something else, I'm sorry. I, this is just fascinating what you're telling me. So have you ever had a time where you had a meeting with your guys and you came up with an idea and you implemented it 
and it didn't work. Can you think of one? Mm, I honestly can't. I can't. That's not the answer I was yeah. looking for. I, I, think, I mean, you know, we have in our weekly meetings, which I used to be a part of, but they all politely said, this would be better if you didn't come. So I stay away from it. Now Mark conducts them. There's got to be some things that they tried that didn't work. There, there may have been that they've shared with Mark that Mark didn't share with me, but um, as far as the processes that... Uh, uh, around in the service bays and and it's just incredible sometimes what uh, is on somebody's mind and they may be hesitant to bring it up because they're the newest guy or they're just an apprentice and they don't want to be embarrassed but we, we got to the point where uh, I'm buying them lunch and they're having their weekly meeting and you know, let it's a safe them, environment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, let, they have the gripe session first. Yeah. What isn't working? What do we need to look at? But then we have the, okay, what would somebody else like to see? And uh, some of the stuff that comes out of that, uh, Mark brings to me and I'm like, oh my God. How did I not think of that in the last 54 years that I've been down here? And this comes just, from the guy who sweeps the floor. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It, exactly. That yeah. is where it came yeah. from. The guys that sweep the floor, who's not even a tech, not working in the base, but he has to come behind them in the evenings, and he's like, well, why couldn't the guy that went, because I, I didn't tell you this earlier, but also we brought in a couple of 20-foot, you know, landscape trailers for lack of a better word to use to store seasonal stuff our air conditioning recycle machines the cooler that i use in the summer that i don't use in the winter to get this stuff out of the weather our welding torches we don't want this in the service bays i don't want any of that stuff sitting around the service bays but i don't want it out in the rain or the snow so we've got these two trailers again because i can't build anything else on this mm -hmm. lot and uh, so he's like you know, my life would be a lot easier and I could do a much better job of cleaning these bays in the evening if I didn't have to take so much time to put the air conditioning machine away that somebody brought out or, or the transmission jack or the jack stands. And, you know, these guys thought about it and said, yeah, he's right. There's no reason. I got it out. I should have put it back. So, uh, you know, it, gets, it even gets my, my cleaning guy involved in the process. And, uh, well, he was excited when all of a sudden he didn't have to take that stuff in at night. And it was a big deal to him. And, and he felt you know, good that somebody was even willing to listen to his concern about it. I'm so, so hoping that somebody listening to this today is, yeah. is, you know, as a shop owner, I hear all the time that they feel like they got to know everything because they own the place. Yeah. And you're proving to me once again that the less we know as a business owner, the better. Yeah. And, you know, whether we know the answer or not, being curious about what they know is really the key to moving that thing forward and yeah. it's so refreshing to hear stories like this and yeah. I'm so glad you're here to talk about it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. So I gotta ask one more question before we Certainly. sum this thing up. You um, you were mentioning processes. You know, a lot of shops have process, but it's what we're doing now. It's verbal. It is. How much of yours is in writing? <laughs> After this past three days in the succession planning class, I've learned that I've got a lot of work to complete. I've 
started that. I, I don't know why. It's kind of kind of like painting. I would rather take a beating than do it. But <laughs> now that I see that, you know, if I want this thing to hand this down, I owe it to the next guy to have this written down. I don't have the right to come in the morning and see something that wasn't done right. And when I haven't written it down to tell that guy what to do. So yeah, I got a pretty uh, extensive action list there of things that I got to go back and do. And, and You didn't uh, answer the question. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that answer. So the answer is um, not a lot of it, <laughs> but it will be. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get this down because when you think about it, yeah, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But again, I'm I'm going to rely on buy-in. I'm going to have them write it. Bingo. I That's then will exactly put it in the binder. I'll type it up. I'll proofread it. I will put it in the binder. But I want to hear my guy George is the guy that opens up in the morning with me. He literally does it while I'm making coffee and answering email and, and looking at my portal and that. So I said, told him this morning after yesterday's class, I said, George, you got some work to do. And he said, oh, what did I do wrong? I said, you haven't done anything wrong. You do it all right. But we're going to put it down on paper so that the next cashier we hire, you don't have to spend so much time mm-hmm. training him because it will all be right there. And I said, Well, you train him. You just train yeah. him differently yeah. because and, now we have it right. And I said to yeah. George, I said, when do you get phone calls from the other cashiers? He said, oh, every time the power goes out. I said, yes, because who are the only two people in this business that know what we have to do to get everything back up and running. You and me. And I said, that's not right. Everybody should be able to just, oh, the power went out. Okay, step one, reboot this. Step two, re- mm-hmm. we got to get it in writing. I mm-hmm. said, you start putting it down. I'm not very good with spelling. I said, George, it doesn't matter. I can read your writing and I will proofread it. I said, and I'm going to give you a certain amount of time to get that done. And uh, then when he thought about it, he said, man, get some more responsibility. Mm-hmm. So he kind of liked the idea. So I'm going to do that with you know, my lead tech, my cashier, my night cleaning guy. They can all this, write yeah, the stuff that yeah, they do, right? This is exactly, easy. This is exactly. easy. Especially yeah. since you got a crew of people that love what the heck they do. Yeah. All stuff I learned in the owner's class and didn't do. <laughs> and now it's time to do it. So, yes. So, Tom, this has been awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed um, all that you've said. Well, I appreciate great, it. great information. I hope that uh, we had at least one or two people out there that could learn something from this. I hope they do too. And yeah. uh, we'll we'll see you another time. I Thanks so much, it, sir. Thank you. So if you're like me, you just listen to Tom and got a lot from it. I mean. I've known Tom a long time, and and I am so glad that he was able to join us today. So a few things that I want to just make sure that I point out as takeaways for our our podcast here today. One thing that I really picked up from Tom was that he was really good at not knowing everything, meaning that just because he's the shop owner— doesn't mean he has to be smarter than everybody else. And, and not only did he make it clear that he is not smarter than everybody else, but he allowed everyone else in his shop to actually be smarter than him. And I think that as shop owners, business owners really, 
we blow that. We feel like that because it's our place, we have to have all the answers. No, we gotta, we gotta let that go. We, we gotta let our staff find the answers because you know what, they have all the answers. They really truly do. So we have to help our staff see those challenges and we have to help inspire them to take on these challenges and solve them on their own. One of the best ways you can do that is instead of telling them what you see, start asking them. Start, start asking more questions. Start being curious. Don't ask questions because you're looking for answers. Ask questions because you want to get inside their head. You want to hear what they're thinking because if you can understand what they're thinking, you can help them change the way they think. It was Stephen Covey that said, seek first to understand, then be understood. The best way to do that is to ask questions. And then the last thing I would leave you with here is, is just know that your staff has a lot to share. Do your best to find those nuggets. You know, Tom did a really good job at finding those nuggets all the way down to the guy who swept the floor had a lot of value to add to his company and help the company grow. Don't ever forget that. Your staff is the best asset you have. Encourage and inspire all that you can from those that work for you. You have been listening to Driving Change from ATI. If you liked what you've heard today and feel you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners, we're waiting to hear from you. You can contact me, Jeff Berman, by emailing gberman at autotraining.net. Let me know what it is you can't wait to share and how I can reach you. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and want to learn more, you can check us out online at autotraining.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.